This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's another Sunday edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert, Julian McKenzie, and Julian, I see the Zone Time crew is already making sworn enemies. The New York Islanders, man. The, well, they're fans, I should say. Nothing against the team. Uh, actually, the one person I feel for the most is is Kyle Cantlin because uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the tweet from, obviously, posting uh, the excerpt from that episode we did where we basically spoke about how dumb the Lou Lamorello uh, facial hair rules are. A lot of those comments were going for Kyle. A lot of those comments yeah. were going for him, man. And, like, I know they were going for me and, and Sam and Rehef, too. But Kyle bore a lot of the brunt of the fear of New York Islanders fans. Actually, I'll mention this. The biggest insult from everybody was that they all made – most of them made sweeping generalizations that I'm a member of Toronto hockey media. And that is not true. Mm. I think, like, I mean – I'm partially honored and flattered that you guys would think of me so highly that I would be working in the same market as Justin Cuthbert. Hey, a lot of people would kill to be in Toronto, but I'm cool with being in Montreal too. You just have to get that right. So get that right, New York Islanders fans. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not a Toronto guy. There's just something about Cantlin. I don't want to call it a highly punchable face, but it's it's at least something that draws the ire of, uh, of those who, uh, you know, consume his content. I'm glad you said it, not me. I'm kidding. <laughs> that, that was a, that was a great hat, though. That was the yes. that one that hat was like the green hat was a uh, maybe the best sartorial selection on Zone Time thus far, and it's the high bar that the rest of us have to reach, and you in particular. Uh, let's get into it today. Um, it. Obviously, the trade deadline is. I mean, we're talking about twenty four hours away. Uh, depending on when you listen to this, uh, we might be into the crunch time. So uh, we've seen a little flurry of trades over the weekend. There's still a lot of names that we're going to be looking out for over the next few days. And this is the per- we we dreamed of the scenario where we have a live trade to break down. So I'm going to keep TweetDeck open to the side here with all the heavy hitters, just just in case something breaks while we're uh, we're chatting here. And and that would be that would make for great live podcasting. But for now, yeah. I got my phone up too, just in case I see something. In fact, actually, uh, the more I think about it, it's probably wise that I get like what Pierre LeBron on uh, tweet notifications on. Like, there's a couple people. CJ, I'm sure we should have his tweet notifications on too. I guess some other of my 
athletic colleagues, I guess. But uh, yeah, it, it tis the season, right? That would be a good idea. Uh, it might be too late to do that, but we'll, we'll make sure that we see. If something happens, uh, we'll be all over it and we'll pivot. But for now, let's start with the biggest news from yesterday. And I think that would be the Tampa Bay Lightning trading three draft picks using Steve Eiserman and the Detroit Red Wings to get it done, uh, but getting their man and David Savard, a right shot defender who's going to fit in, uh, I think, pretty well, because there is a serious dearth on that right side. If there was anything that was sacrificed in the championship wake, it was depth on the right side of the defense core, and now Julian Breezeball and the Tampa Bay Lightning have probably uh, the best right shot defenseman that was on the board, or at least available, uh, and winning, winning David Savard potentially from the Florida Panthers obviously who might be the team that they're competing with to get into the final four so how do you grade out that move for the lightning trading three draft picks and getting 25 percent of the salary and a full 100 percent of david savard just just straight up just genius and i know that we we've we have uh i guess not necessarily us specifically but people in the hockey world have highly rated julian breezewell for his general manager tactics and him being able to be a capologist, but like this is pretty brilliant to be able to kind of have uh, David Savard kind of spread out the way that they have over between Columbus and, and, and Detroit as well. Not to mention uh, the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning, obviously, in the situation that they're in their division, they need all the help they can get on defense and just making not not just in terms of the fact with the depth that's there, but also just making sure uh, having they have some added reinforcements in terms of injuries as well. That's this is just a perfect move. And Julian Breesbaugh acknowledged himself like he wasn't even sure if he'd be able to make this move work. I think Tampa mm-hmm. Bay deserves some high grades to to make that work. It, I mean, look, they could have sacrificed a lot more to make this happen, but considering the fact it's just draft picks, like that's not bad. Tampa Bay looks strong again. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of people, you know, criticize the price, three draft picks, one of them being a first round pick. I mean, I don't I don't see how you can do that. Like this they've already won a Stanley Cup. So whatever they really do in this in this sort of window is justified because they got their championship. But there's a legitimate possibility that they're going to win two in a row and they've, you know, made some pretty significant sacrifices to get in the position they're in. One namely being that Nikita Kucherov agreed to sit out the entire season it seems so that they go <laughs> on a postseason run. Um, I mean, they are the kings right now of circumvention, and I- I'm I'm fine with it because what do we really want to see these these great teams be broken up? These you know super teams have to dismantle because uh, of the rules that are in place. I am all for the loopholes being taken by this group, uh, and what unfortunately what this deal does do though however is shine the light on the fact that a reckoning is coming with tampa bay i mean the loops they had to jump through just to make a simple acquisition to get someone to play on the right side i mean this this at, at some point you can't keep doing this and doing it and doing it over and over and over again nikita kucherov i mean you can't make up an injury next year for someone else i don't think so eventually this is going to catch up to them so that is every reason in the world to make this move, to shore up the right side, to get the guy who can play with Victor Hedman, to get the guy that can lessen the load on Victor Hedman if he's not playing on that top pair. Like, th- this is exactly what they needed, someone that bump everything down on the right side uh, into their proper place. And, and really, when you look at it, they've got five really good defensemen. Hedman, McDonough, Cernak, Sergachev, and now David Savard. He doesn't have great numbers this year, but but listen, who does in Columbus? Like, that's not a great a great place to have uh, uh, you know, or a great place to showcase great numbers. Um, I think his, the conditions Tampa Bay provide will definitely improve his ability to put up great numbers, at least in terms of underlying data. So I think they've got a really good de- defense now to support a top forward group and a top forward group that's about to get Nikita Kucherov back when it matters most. The Tampa Bay Lightning are loaded for bear and ready to go again, and I'm excited to see them when it matters most. 
Yeah, I, I feel with players who are being dealt from worse situations to better situations, I always feel that when they're around elevated talent, that's going to bring the best out of them. So I'm not particularly worried about how David Savard will, will, will move on to Tampa Bay. I think he'll be fine there. And you mentioned the fact that a reckoning is coming to Tampa Bay with the way that their salaries are set out. And we know that they're kind of strapped in terms of how their salary kind of sets up to that floor all the more reason for them to win this year. We're talking about a team that realistically, if we're really being real about it, they should be going for a three-peat. We all know what happened in to not last year, but the year before. They had that number one team and they oh, faltered right. to Columbus. Then they end up winning last year. If they lose this year, it almost feels like a bit of a disappointment. One Stanley Cup out of a possible three years. And then after that, it's very likely some really hard restructuring is going to have to happen. So for them to make the move to get David Savard, you already know they're going to be all in. They have the team to do it. But at least if the Lightning can say they got two out of three out of these last three years, that's golden for them. And and, and I'm not sweating the first-round pick they're giving up either. Look, I know they we, we were worried about them with giving that up for Barkley Grudrow in a previous life. But, like, this is the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is – the class of the National Hockey League when it comes to teams in town. They're not sweating a first-round pick. They have enough players in their system uh, coming up that can make that up. You know, if you're a lesser team, you worry about that first-round pick. If you're Tampa, you don't need to sweat that. No one should yeah. sweat this 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 deal at all. Like, the fact that they were able to, as I mentioned before, pass off some of that salary to different teams is an absolute genius move. So don't even worry about it for Tampa Bay. The only big thing is they have to win or else this is just obviously going to be a – Another year where they come up short, it's going to look disappointing because they could have e they easily had a chance to be the premier dynasty of the last few years. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, dynasties are hard. If you're going to set, if you're going to be a historical team one year, you know, fall short in the postseason, win the Stanley Cup the next, and who knows what's going to happen this year, but a great chance to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, it's it's really hard to quibble with what they've done. Uh, they are, you mentioned, um, you know, moving forward, the reckoning and, and all that. It is. This is the team that is interesting in terms of the Seattle expansion draft, though. I mean, can they sweeten the deal and and allow them to, uh, you know, shed a salary that that they don't want anymore? Is it Tyler Johnson, who's a Washington native, who is going to be exposed in the expansion draft? Maybe it's just a really good player that's exposed. Maybe it's an Alex Kalorn or something, and, and and Seattle just springs for that, and they get themselves a good player, but Tampa gets a little bit of wiggle room as well. Uh, I think Seattle, the Seattle situation or the specter of Seattle is very, very interesting in terms of the Tampa Bay Lightning. But the good news for them is they get to try and win another championship before that day comes. Uh, we should mention the whole, whole deal. The Lightning get uh, David Savard and Brian Lashoff, who's just going to be stashed in the minor leagues. The Red Wings get a fourth round pick for holding 25% of David Savard. And the Jackets get a first and a third. I think that's very good, a good business from the Jackets and the Red Wings. Obviously, the Jackets getting a first round pick for a player like David Savard, I think, is is very good uh, on their behalf. And then the Red Wings, I mean, just being around to pick up a fourth round pick. Do you, do you have any issue with the Red Wings being involved, the, the, the fact that you can be a middleman uh, right now in the NHL, it, it, does that bother you in any way? Because, I mean, I kind of alluded no. to it earlier. I, I, it doesn't bother me in the least bit, but I see a lot of people that are somewhat uh, dismayed by the fact that the Red Wings could pick up a draft pick for, you know, basically doing nothing. Everyone is worried about this because Steve Eiserman is involved. And we know Steve Eiserman was with the Tampa Bay Lightning organization. That is pretty much the biggest reason why people are worried about this and people are going to go, oh, well, maybe he's working it on the inside. And someone made the joke like, hey, he found a way to control two franchises in, in NHL or whatever. Like, who cares? I think the biggest reason why people are so worried about it is because 
a former member of the Tampa Bay Lightning front office is the middleman in this particular situation. I'm sure it helps, obviously, with with Brisebois and Eiserman's familiarity with each other, but I don't necessarily think that's a problem necessarily. And if this was any other general manager, we wouldn't even be talking about this. No, uh, did did Steve Eiserman get a ring last summer? You think? Oof. Nah. No. Nah, probably not. No. Probably not. I mean, oh. he deserves one, but probably not. Yes, um, but like, no. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have any issue with it because, listen, the trajectory changed for all these general managers. Like, everything, this pandemic changed everything for these guys. They don't have as much money. Everybody's on this, is is condensed and working with very little wiggle room. I mean, you got to use what you got. The rules are in place for a reason. That's 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 exactly what a rule book is. It is a list of regular guidelines that you can play in. And if it's not there you can exploit the little avenues that it provides. And that's exactly what's happening here. I have absolutely no issue with it. And if you do have issue with it, maybe you don't want to see any trades on Monday and you want to have a really boring day. Um, So uh, that is just nonsense to me. Uh, Let's get into the second of three trades on Saturday. Uh, Obviously not as big as the first, but we're going to go through all of them. Uh, And that is Brendan Montour going to the Florida Panthers, the aforementioned rivals of the Tampa Bay Lightning this year, uh, for a third-round draft pick to the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, I like this deal a lot for Florida. Uh, maybe they found out that they were out on David Savard and they went in a different direction. But Brandon Montour is a really in- intriguing guy to me. Uh, the Sabres paid a high price to get him in the first place for Anaheim. It was a first-round pick and a, and a high prospect. I believe it was a second-rounder around the 50th overall uh, and Brendan Guile. Um, so that says something about Buffalo's asset management of late, the fact that they're <laughs> turning a first-round pick into a third-round pick after a couple seasons of... Brandon Montour, but um, you know this is the process they're in, where they're just trying to pick up any draft picks they can for the the bodies that can help uh, different teams. And I think Brandon Montour is just that. I think he can be a serviceable guy. He's not going to fill the shoes left by Aaron Ekblad, um, but I think Florida made a pretty wise decision here to pick up a guy who can move the puck and skate really well. Yeah, I think uh, I, I agree with you. He fills a need for them, and I just like the idea of seeing Florida be in a position where they're good and, and they can go for it here. And, and the fact that they're able to get a death piece and a guy like Brandon Montour is really going to serve them. I don't know how it's going to work out for them when it comes for their playoff matchups. Uh, last I checked, I think they're third in, in, in their division right now, which actually means if the playoffs ended today, they'd be uh, matching up with the Tampa Bay lightning. And I don't know how that's going to go in a set in a, in a full series, but yeah. I like I just like the idea that, that the Florida Panthers are, are good and they're going to be a playoff team and they're going to be taken seriously. Uh, I, I think the fact that they were able to get a guy like Brandon Montour, I'm not sure what it's going to look like for them on Monday, if they're going to be able to make another move, if there's anyone out there that could really help them uh, as they make their charge. But I do like the fact that they were able to to make something work because that's a franchise that has been knocking on the door for, for quite some time, just starting and stopping and starting and stopping. And it looks like they're going to have a pretty decent year. I know they had a really good start and now they're in the middle of the pack in their division now, but I think they're going to come away with a decent start. Hopefully, maybe Carolina falls to number number two in that division, and it's a little bit a bit a bit more of a favorable matchup in the playoffs, and not have to deal with Tampa. But I like the Florida Panthers going for it this year. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge difference between first and second in the Central Division right now, with three of the top teams in the league honestly battling it out for that top spot, uh, and then fourth place right now is the Nashville Predators, who would be considered you know, close to a layup, at least in terms of uh, the other three teams in the standard that they've brought to the season uh, this year. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's, as I mentioned, I think it's a good gamble. I mean, Brandon Montour is a guy, again, we talked about the conditions, you know, adjusting what the expectations might be for that player. 
it's hard to thrive in Buffalo. Everyone's that's been proven. No one can really have a good season in Buffalo. No one can have any meaningful lasting success in Buffalo, but all of a sudden you're playing for the Florida Panthers on a potential third pairing. Uh, you might be able to put up some good numbers and really, you know, steer the steer the play in, in the right direction. If you're Brandon Montour, a guy who's, uh, you know, had a bad year in terms of production, but the last few games, the last few weeks, he's been very solid. So if he can continue that momentum with a with a far better team, uh, I think that's a good roll of the dice from the Florida Panthers. I'm checking tweet deck. And I don't see anything just yet. So our, our dreams you, may be dashed. You got me nervous. Our you, dreams may be were, dashed. Go, you were yeah. looking. You were looking and you had me feeling nervous. I was like, oh God, is something happening? Here, here is something happening? Refresh, refresh, refresh. That 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 like nervous feeling might just last for 24 hours and there might be no payoff uh, given the, the restraints on everyone right now uh, and the fact that we had three trades on Saturday. So let's get to the last of those three trades. Uh, and that is the Colorado Avalanche picking up Devin Dubnik, the insurance they probably needed in goal for a fifth round draft pick. It's, it's uh, worth mentioning that Dubnik's salary was already retained 50% by the Minnesota Wild after a trade with the Sharks last offseason. So the Avs are getting Dubnik at a decent price here. They didn't have to pay more for the Sharks to retain 50% because they're already off 50% of that salary uh, due to the fact that uh, the Minnesota Wild wanted to get rid of him in the offseason. So, you know, I, I think we've talked about this a, a little bit. The fact that Colorado left things to chance last offseason, ended up having to play Michael Hutchison in multiple elimination games. They got a couple wins in those games, but ultimately they fell short in a game seven versus the Dallas Stars. Uh, and they've been toggling back and forth between... Um, backups this year with the preferred option at number two for Pavel Francouz just not ever getting healthy enough to play so they've had Jonas Johansson in that in that spot they've had Hunter Miska in that spot but they really haven't have able to provide the insurance they need behind Philip Grubauer who is playing at a Vesna level so this isn't a guy brought in to challenge for the number one role Philip Grubauer is the guy and he's going to be the guy in the playoffs as long as he stays healthy but I think you can feel a little bit better now uh, going into the postseason with a guy with some experience. Obviously, he does not have good numbers, but again, it goes back to the conditions that your team provides. Uh, it's hard to play well if you're not an elite goaltender for a bad team, and the San Jose Sharks may be elevated a little bit from a bad team lately with quality goaltending from Martin Jones, but uh, I think Devin Dubnik you'd like to put in over the unproven Miska or Johansson uh, in case of emergency in the postseason if you're the Colorado Avalanche. I agree, and if you're the Colorado Avalanche, imagine imagine I'm a player on the Colorado Avalanche for just three seconds here on a really good team, a team that we look at last year, we're like, damn, if we had goaltending, we would be in the Stanley Cup final. Not in the third round. We would be in the Stanley Cup final. This year, I'm selling, I'm telling the GM, I would be damned if we let goaltending doom us again. Look, valiant effort on the part of Michael Hutchison last year, but we know he was not the guy. The fact that they were down to their number three guy just goes to show you need your goaltending depth to be solid in the Stanley Cup playoffs, whether you're riding your number one guy through or if you need that 1B guy to step in for a few games as well. And I know maybe the stats for Devin Dubnik don't necessarily look that good, but this is a guy who, at least in short spurts anyway, he's had moments where he's looked really good. And he could step in as a number two option if need be. You don't need him to be an elite goaltender for this team. And if you do need him, I think you can count on him to be solid. Not to mention the Colorado Avalanche, again, really good in front. So if I don't think the Colorado Avalanche are a team that's going to have to look at their goalie and be like, God damn, like we really need him to like, you know, just stonewall everything because we're not able to get a goal. And I think you can count yeah. the Colorado Avalanche to be proficient at all other phases of the game. So you just need Devin Dubnik just to be solid. So 
I, I like this move and the fact that he's pretty much going to be cheap to them. That's even better for them. So the Colorado Avalanche, I mean, I can't think of too much else they might need. I know we discussed the idea of them having Eric Stahl and then look what happened. He ended up going to Montreal, but the Colorado Avalanche right now, they're a well-oiled machine. And now that their goaltending is set, like they're going to be good for the playoffs. And I think I think they still might have the wiggle room to make another deal if they want to. I like how you put it in. You put yourself in their shoes. I'll be damned that we're going to leave this to chance again. I mean, every time I think about the goaltending situation in Colorado, I think back of Nathan McKinnon uh, after they were eliminated, just downtrodden, like just really upset that they weren't able to put their best foot forward in a legitimate chance to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, and I think that soundbite alone, if I'm Joe Sackick, would have motivated me to make this deal to at least make sure that you have someone. Who can who can provide um, you know the type of insurance and the and the, the standard that he's put forth over his career? Is he a great goaltender anymore? I don't think so. But this is a great team that probably only needs an average backup to get to get by. Hopefully, it doesn't get to that point. Um, but I think they they uh, they made a wise move in at least getting someone in there who has done the job previously. Um, okay, so no breaking news, unfortunately. We'll move on to topic number two, which is another goaltending situation, the one in Toronto. Uh, the Leafs backup, Jack Campbell, set an NHL record, which is somewhat strange, with 11 straight wins to start his season. I mean, there's maybe multiple asterisks you could put in there. The fact that it's a, you know, you played the same six opponents would be a, a consideration. Uh, the fact that it's April 11th and you're just winning your 11th straight game. I mean, things are a little bit different. Things are a little wonky, but it's an NHL record nonetheless for Jack Campbell. Uh, and this is all happening while Frederick Anderson, the guy who's supposed to carry the load for the Maple Leafs, is AWOL. Uh, he's now actually resurfaced on injured reserve, but we haven't actually seen him around uh, since he just kind of exited the lineup when Campbell returned with an injury that no one else knows anything about and the severity or anything. Um, so what do you make of the situation? What do you make of Jack Campbell's sort of rise, whether he's a legitimate starter moving forward, if he's the guy who can carry the, the expectations that the Leaf fans have for this group this year, and whether or not Frederick Anderson even factors in on the re remainder of this season? Here's... I'm, I'm strictly going at this from an outsider's perspective because we all know uh, you cover the team more than I do. You've seen, obviously, how people have reacted to Jack Campbell. But from an outsider's perspective, the first thing that really strikes me is how it seems everyone, including the main core players on this Toronto Maple Leaf squad, have embraced Jack Campbell uh, as more than just, okay, a guy who's stepping in to kind of help the team out when they need because Frederick Anderson isn't doing it anymore. He's injured but they're really embracing him as that guy. And he's really endeared himself to his teammates. And it's kind of turned into this feel-good story. You could obviously look at the fact that he's 11-0 and, and, and just marvel at the accomplishment in himself, in itself. But to hear him talk so with, with humility and, and just be gracious of this entire situation, that really endears him to, to fans as well. And Jack Campbell's story, I mean, it's pretty amazing to see. This was a guy who was... Highly talented coming out of his draft class. And he's kind of floundered around going from different team to different team. And he ends up in Toronto. And now all of a sudden he's in the spotlight. And I don't know what it's going to be like for the playoffs, but he's very likely going to be the number one guy to start, right? Like I can't see a situation where Frederick Anderson comes back and he starts the playoffs. And it's not necessarily unfounded that a team would start a backup for the playoffs, right? I think Jack Campbell's your guy. And I think the fact mm -hmm. that, the Toronto Maple Leafs have embraced him, and obviously they've they've played really well in front of him. Like, I don't know how you go through 
let's say if Jack Campbell was like three and oh or four and oh and he did really well in the few starts he played. Of course, we don't talk about this. We're talking about a guy who said in any who, who who made NHL history with this start. I don't see how the Toronto Maple Leafs and 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 look, you know better than me. It might not. It, it may very well just be clear that Jack Campbell's going to start in net. But like Freddie Anderson, not to not to harp down on the guy, but like I don't think he's a factor going forward. I think you're, you're going to have to run with the hot hand. That's how it works in the playoffs. And Jack Campbell's going to be the guy going forward. It's 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 unbelievable, actually. the the uh, the confidence in Campbell, and it's easy to be confident, I guess, if you if the guy doesn't lose. But this is a player who was playing in Idaho of the East Coast Hockey League five years ago, and you're thinking, okay, this this tormented franchise hasn't won a Stanley Cup in over you know half century. Uh, the the hopes are going to rest in a guy who played for Idaho five years ago played in Idaho five years ago. It's kind of, it is remarkable, and there's no real trepidation there. I mean, it is it is nuts, but it's been an unbelievable story all around, and it's provided a real galvanizing quality for a team that seemed to be missing something in its soul the past few years. Like, it's hard to put your finger on what they were missing, but these moments they're sharing with Jack Campbell and each other and this love fest that seems to be happening, happening inside the Toronto Maple Leafs room, like, this is not what we saw before. We saw guys that were just on edge all the time and not really sure of themselves in the situation. And it never really clicked the way it's clicking now. And Jack Campbell seemed to have put all of that over the top. What it's also done is given clarity to an uncertain situation. I mean, the biggest off-season storyline, and I'm looking ahead, is what's going to happen in net. I mean, Freddie Anderson's an unrestricted free agent. You didn't know how all of this is going to shake out. But now you have a legitimate guy that you that you might fancy as a number one starter, but at least guy, at least a guy who can split 82 starts with someone else. So, I mean, I think it says something about how much they love this guy, how much trust they have in this guy, that what what's going to happen is that Freddie Anderson's $5 million is going to be spent elsewhere. But I, I can't help but feel a little bad for Freddie. I mean, think about this. Clearly hurt this year and played through it, likely cost himself a ton of money in free agency. Now he can finally take the time to heal up because Campbell's actually available, and Campbell goes on this incredible run, and fans don't even want to see Freddie Anderson again. <laughs> now he's been put on an IR so that the team can pick up a depth piece in Riley Nash. So that was a paper move they had to move, had to do. They had to put Freddie Anderson on IR, so not available to play, so that they can get a guy who might be able to help on the fourth line in the postseason. And it's possible now that Anderson will just be held up out, even if he's healthy enough, for the numbers to work until the end of the season. I mean, I've heard rumblings that Freddie Freddie wasn't comfortable returning, but honestly, I don't really buy it. I mean, this guy's played through the most unfortunate situations through his entire tenure in Toronto. He could have said no this season because his future earnings are on the line this year, and he could have left the Maple Leafs, which Michael Hutchinson, who we talked about before, in net for long stretches because Campbell wasn't there. And now he's been now he's been pushed into the corner like this. Like he gave it all, and maybe it wasn't enough. It wasn't ever enough for this team because he's not. Maybe he's just not good enough. But it's kind of sad that we've reached this point where he's just a chess piece that's being used to optimize the roster when this is a guy that sacrificed a lot for this team. And I, I feel like uh, th- th- he's sort of underappreciated in that regard. I guess uh, you make a really good point with that. But when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they've endured over the last few years with the playoffs, I'm sorry, but you can't 
you can't fall too much for for these sop stories, man. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. This is an important year for this franchise. Year after year, they go in the first round or playing round or whatever, and they are not able to win a series. If the Toronto Maple Leafs, for some reason, with the North Division, they find a way to mess it all up in the first round, holy crap, everything is going to go to shit. Like, not to swear here, but like, I'm sorry, this is an important <laughs> this is an important year for this franchise. Things happen. But, to but go how right. would Maybe- Go ahead. I was just going to say, how would they mess this up? I don't Goal know. How That's they... the only way. That's, That's the it. only way. This is the best team in the North Division. I, I, I don't think there's any, uh, any doubt about it. So if they don't get through the first round, if they don't get through the second round, it's probably going to be because of goaltending. And we don't know if Freddie Anderson is, Freddie Anderson could be back in time for the playoffs and he could step in if Campbell stumbles or he could just get the net himself. But the only way they're going to lose now is goaltending. And it's either Anderson, who has not proven it, or Campbell, who again was in Idaho five years ago, and he might be perfectly suited. But it's got to be a little scary if you're a Leaf fan. It's got to be. Of course it has to be scary, but he's winning. And I'm sorry, but you need a guy who's going to be hot. You need a guy who's going to be sure. And another thing, again, I mean, obviously we get it. Goaltending will win you games in the postseason. But this Toronto Maple Leafs team is really good. You have Mm -hmm. a... I say you as in the Toronto fans who are watching this or listening to this. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast because yeah. we understand there's a lot of Torontonians who listen to this podcast. But the Toronto Maple Leafs have the number two best player in the world leading the charge. And Mitch Marner also behind helping out. This team is get, trying to get better and better year after year. And in the North Division, they are clearly head and shoulders above everybody. It's not like a typical year where they're looking at their postseason schedule and it's, ah, crap, we have to play the Boston Bruins every – we have to play the Boston Bruins in the first round. They're likely going to play the Montreal Canadiens. And the Montreal Canadiens, I don't know if you've seen them as of late. They've not, they have not been looking good. No, this is a team no. that I said, this is the best Canadiens team I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, that's that's not looking like a good prediction right now, stupid mm-hmm. me. All that to say, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're going to get – they should be able to get a first-round series win. And that is going to be huge for them going forward. And to tie it back to the last point about Freddie Anderson, if it means that they're going to have to start Jack Campbell – 
I wouldn't be worried. I would can't not be now. Be you can't be right now. You, I wouldn't be worried, man. The team in front is too good. The team in front right now is too good to worry about Jack Campbell and worry about how they're going to match up against other North Division opponents. Maybe when you get to a conference final, if you match up against a Tampa or a Boston, maybe it's a little different. But if you, if the Toronto, I, there's no one in the North Division. Nobody. Not Edmonton, not Winnipeg, definitely not Montreal. There's no one about the Leafs I worry about in a yeah. series, especially if you're going to start Jack Campbell, who played in Idaho of the ECHF. Nothing. Yeah, I mean it's hard to argue with you. Um, and with Frederick Anderson on the shelf, with me, <laughs> with Frederick Anderson on, unless you're an Islanders fan, uh, unless Frederick Anderson is on the shelf, <laughs> I mean with Frederick Anderson on the shelf rather, I mean there's maybe a possibility that they could they could even improve their club even more than they have, you know, in the next 24 hours here. Um, I, I, I'm not going to pretend I know exactly how the machinations work, but I know that Brendan Pridham does. Um, so if there is a way that they can improve this roster, I think they're going to take that swing. Clearly, it's the year to take it. If it's Tampa's year to take it, it's Toronto's year to take it as well. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens. But any move that they make seems like it's going to come at a direct or to the direct expense of Frederick Anderson. And I do feel a little bad for the guy because he's given a lot to this franchise. And it seems like he's now sort of a pawn in this game. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of too bad to watch. But on the flip side, it is amazing to watch what Jack Campbell's doing to this club, to this city. Uh, it, it's a really cool story and one I think that uh, Leaf fans will remember for a really long time. Um, an unfortunate story. Continues with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, they announced this week and the NHL announced this week that they are going to cram in the rest of this schedule here. The practice facility is apparently opening uh, at some point today. We're recording this on Sunday. They're going to play their first game back on Friday. I believe it's April 16th against the Edmonton Oilers. It's going to change basically all the North Division scheduling. They're going to play beyond the May 11th cutoff, so the playoffs are going to be a little bit delayed. That means we're going to be playing hockey deeper into summer now, which is, I mean, I guess fine. There's nothing else to do in this world right now. Um but, it, you know, I don't want to say this is an ethical issue, but this is just a weird situation. I mean, the, the Canucks are going to have to play 19 games in 31 days. They're going to get back to work. And not only are they going to have to, like, resume their job duties right away, but they're going to have to make up for all the lost time. So they're going to be crammed. This is what, what the, we might see a shell of this team playing with a bunch of minor leaguers. We don't know any, about anything how this is going to look. Uh, but this is not like a great situation that the NHL is sort of forcing down everyone's throat here. Um, but it has to happen because when contracts are signed, when money exchanges hands, what's reasonable doesn't really apply anymore. So the Vancouver Canucks are going to finish this season. However, they're going to finish it. They're going to finish it. They're going to limp to the finish line and we're going to get there eventually. Uh, but this is not a story that is really worth telling beyond this year uh, when compared at least to what we were talking about before. no. It's, uh, I mean, it's affecting all of our lives. We've, we've spoken ad nauseum about how COVID-19 has affected all of us. But I'm over the shock and surprise of the fact that the Vancouver Canucks are in the situation that they're in. You have to remember, we are talking about hockey being played through a pandemic. I understand uh, vaccines are going out in the United States and some teams are going out saying that they've had at least seen most of their players get vaccinated. But we are still not completely through with the coronavirus. Different worlds, say, north and south of the border, yep. Absolutely. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks, I'm just 
I feel for this team. This is, I mean, at least one player that's been reported out there that was at least on an IV and, and so many other guys have been dealing with this tough situation. We are going to see a, a shell of this team. And like I mentioned last week, it's not as if the Vancouver Canucks were in a position where they were challenging for a top of the division. They were really in a, in a tough place in the playoffs. And you really have to think, oh man, like how can the, can the Vancouver Canucks actually do this? The Canucks are falling further and further down in the standings. And now you're going to ask them to cram in all these games after going through what they went through with this, this strain that passed through them. Yeah. Good luck. You're, you're, you're not going to necessarily get the best quality of this Vancouver Canucks team. And it's not even like we're going to be seeing near the end of the year, like, man, like Vancouver is going to be up against Toronto and we don't know how it's going to look with them in the rankings. There's like games between the Canucks and the Ottawa Senators, another team that we're not going to care about. Truly meaningless games. Truly meaningless games. You know, so it's, I'm not going to sit here and be like, man, what are we doing? Or how could they do such a thing? Because at the end of the day, professional sports has shown pretty much since COVID-19, well, pretty much since last summer, really, that the show must go on. Yes, we have to account for the fact that COVID-19 has affected so many lives and has affected so many people in some way. But money still has to be made. You nailed it right on the head. Contracts are signed. Money is exchanged. Games are going to have to be played out. And the Vancouver Canucks, unfortunately, are are they're, they're getting the short end of the stick here with this particular situation. And they're just going to have to play through it. it, it and, I, and I feel for those guys because it's not going to look good. Yeah, we're going to see a real unfortunate product, I think, at least by the end of the season. Like, it's not going to be good right away. I think the Vancouver Canucks are going to be ripe for the taking when they first come back because we're talking about teams that are ramping up for playoffs right now. Could get some, uh, you know, additions in on the... Tr- on the trade deadline or at the trade deadline and they are ready to compete in the Stanley cup playoffs. And we've got this Vancouver team who is still trying to get over the effects of a serious illness. That's just going to be trotted onto the ice to, to play them. It's not going to look good in, in the immediate term. And it's not going to look good at the end when I looked at Vancouver's end of season schedule. And it's like a game every day against a, a team. That's probably not going to care or, you might be the Ottawa Senators who might be like, yeah, we're, we're ready for this game and we're going to blow the doors off what might be a minor league team. The only solace I, could, I, I see here is that maybe it provides some opportunity to some young guys, some minor leaguers. Maybe they get a chance at the NHL that they wouldn't have got normally because, you know, Vancouver doesn't have any reason to put out their best lineup night after night after night when, you know, they could be uh, at, at risk for maybe an injury. Um, and maybe it helps a few guys change the narrative on their season. I mean, a lot of guys have been struggling, uh, this year in Vancouver and, and maybe lost some money. Maybe this puts them in position to at least recoup some value as we go into the off season. Uh, but that's seems like a bit of a stretch, right? Uh, it's, it seems like this cannot really benefit Vancouver in any way other than the team being able to, you know, keep the money that was paid out to them by broadcasters. Um, but you mentioned this affecting everyone. It certainly affects everyone in the NHL as well. I mean, the Oilers uh, were really frustrated after losing Saturday night to the Calgary Flames because they not only missed Colby Cave's memorial service or the celebration of his life that happened in Edmonton, I believe, uh, at, at the arena at, at Rogers Place on Saturday because they had a rescheduled game in Calgary, but they had to play the night after watching this really highly emotional thing uh, happen during the day, and then they had to go to the rink and play, and they got absolutely destroyed by Calgary they simply weren't ready and Connor McDavid came out and basically said that it was something that they should have thought through a little bit more because uh that it it affected their season uh the fact that they 
had to play on the same day that Colby Cave was was celebrated his life, but also they weren't able to be there, which is definitely more important than losing two points in the standings. So all this is going to you know impact every Canadian team, and that in turn might impact what happens down the stretch in this season. Um, but you know, right now, all, all we really know for sure is there's going to be some non-competitive games on television uh, in mid-May. I just want to say, uh, with regards to the Edmonton Oilers and that Colby Cave situation, I give Connor McDavid full marks for for saying something and commenting on that particular situation. Because I think a lot of other people would have just been like, whatever, you know, you deal with the schedule, it is as it is. But you could tell, uh, at least in the clip I saw, uh, Connor looked visibly frustrated at, at that situation. And look, I'm not a professional athlete by any stretch of the means, but I can't imagine what playing through something like that would be like or, or or anything of the sort and we know i know there's stories obviously we've seen athletes play through tragedy before uh i think just earlier this week we, we've seen like a junior player Connor Bedard play through uh, the death of his uh like his father or his grandfather and he tried a way to he tried to find a way to go through that but mm-hmm. i think it's not easy to go through anything like that and i think for Connor mcdavid to step up and say something and and at least just show how frustrated he was. That was that was rather refreshing to see because it's it's I think a lot of hockey players sometimes or a lot of athletes would just sometimes look the other way. But I think for Connor McDavid to step up and say something, that was really that took some guts for him to do. That was that was really cool on his part. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh I think there's one thing that we we may have missed in terms of this subject is the fact that the results of Vancouver's season actually do affect the draft lottery and what we'll see. Uh, between you know the the implications for the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, uh, I think that's another small thing in addition to all the other mainly business minded implications or uh, reasons why Vancouver is coming back. So uh, just another thing to chew on. This is you know I, I do find it really hard to criticize people because everybody is trying to you know fill out their own mandate in these trying times. Like it, it's made life difficult on everyone, including the people that you know probably benefit the most from them playing uh, as as much as we should care less about that i mean everybody's job everybody's been impacted by this and the entire league is just trying to make the best of a bad situation uh unfortunately the vancouver canucks are sort of the poster child of what is a terrible situation this year uh and we're going to see that play out over the next four to five weeks um no deal no live deal the live, the live analysis from Damn. Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie will have to wait another time because it's at least quiet on this Sunday morning. This could all be, you know, very dated by the time uh, some listeners listen to this because it could be a flurry of activity on Monday. It also could be a very boring trade deadline, but at least we'll have something to dig into on Monday. And it's, it's all, it always feels like a not a non-working day when you're watching either James Duthie or Jeff Merrick. Uh, uh, basically conduct six to eight hours of live television. That's always fun. And we look forward to that t- uh, tomorrow. I look forward to returning to zone time. I'm probably not going to start any fights like you guys. Uh, just fair <laughs> warning. Um, but I just uh, have to say, though, you, ca- you, you came on with some absolute fire on your appearance. We were talking about uh, what we wanted to see on trade deadline day. Right. And you literally just came out the gates just like, this has to happen. This has to happen. This has to happen. Yeah. I was very impressed with the 
fire and brimstone. So the two times we've had uh, actual people from Yahoo Sports make appearances on Zone Time, we get Justin Cuthbert breathing fire like a dragon, and then you have Kyle Cantlin and his very punchable face, sorry, buddy, uh, igniting furor from an entire fan base. Have you seen some of the comments from those guys, by the way? Like one guy was saying like, hey, don't we have some – artisanal mayonnaise place to hit up before getting a complex IPA. Like what where are these insults? <laughs> I yeah. don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that means. I don't means. know what that means. I mean I could see Cantlin drinking IPAs, but <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't know about the artisanal mayonnaise. That doesn't sound like yeah, his, I don't know about that's, that. that's not right up his alley. Uh I will be back on zone time on Monday. Uh we'll break down what happened on trade deadline day i'm not sure who's you can you can help me out here who's going to be on with us uh but hopefully we have reason to spit some fire because something big will happen in the nhl but for now uh we have to wait for that yeah uh justin i'll say this about the people who are on the show uh i didn't know you're going to be on the show so uh now i'm excited about that i literally it's i'll say this kind of peeling back the curtain it's a surprise for me but it's always a pleasant surprise Unfortunately, that's the only breaking news that we're going to be able to provide on this show. Uh, And that's it for the Sunday edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Uh, We'll catch you tomorrow, Julian, and we'll catch the rest of the listeners next Sunday. Peace.